Welcome back to Alger Assembly of God. As we mentioned earlier today, we are jumping back into our series in the book of Joshua. And we've been working our way through chapter by chapter. We started in Joshua chapter 1, verse 1. It's been quite a while ago as we're working our way all the way through here to see what God has for us in this powerful, action-packed book called Joshua. Now, this morning, we're going to be looking at a couple of individuals and, uh, you know, there, there's, there's no way other to say it than simply to say this. The couple of individuals that we're emphasizing here in Scripture, well, they're getting up in years a little bit. Now, I know none of you are. None of you are. I saw that scowl. So just in case, you know, you know somebody who is, let me help you out. The, these are some signs. These are some signs that you're getting up there in years, or uh, as I came across it, they just went there and said it, the top 10 signs that you're getting old. It's not you, but I'm sure you might know someone who this might fit. Top 10 signs that you're getting old. Number 10, you take a metal detector to the beach. Number nine, people call you at nine o'clock in the evening and ask, did I wake you? Number eight, number eight sign that you're getting old, you know what the word equity means. No, see, none of you know, so none of you are old. All right. Number seven, you no longer think of speed limits as a challenge. Number six, top 10 signs you're getting old, you get into heated arguments about pension plans. Number five, number five sign that you're getting old, you got cable simply because of the Weather Channel. Number four, you enjoy hearing about other people's operations. Number three, you're sitting in a rocker, but you can't get it started. Number two, your ears are hairier than your head. And the number one sign that you might be getting old, your back goes out more often than you do. All right. Some of you have heard some of those. Again, doesn't apply to anyone in here, but if you know someone, that might help you to spot who they are. So the message this morning, this is our 16th in the series on Joshua. It's entitled, How to Reach Your Mountain. So we're going to kind of review briefly earlier in the book, earlier in the book of Joshua, and we've, we've kind of gone through and we've, we've reminded you about what took place even before the book of Joshua. You remember that Moses sent out 12 spies to spy out the, the promised land, and they were to return back with a report, okay? So 12 spies went out. What did 10 of, what kind of report did 10 of them come back with? Negative, bad report. This is a land, boy, it's got great stuff, but there's giants in the land. We look like tiny ants and grasshoppers. There's no way we can conquer it. So 10 out of the 12 said, no way can we achieve what God's calling us to. Only two of them said, yes, let's go forward and let's take this land. How many of you remember what the names of those two spies are? Joshua and Caleb. And those are the two that we're going to be emphasizing and looking at this morning. 
If you've got the Word of God with you, you can kind of turn to Joshua chapter 13. We're going to look at portions of 13 and portions of Joshua chapter 14. So, 12 spies went out. Only Joshua and Caleb gave a positive report. The other 10 said, no, we can't. And those 10 spies and their reports influenced the rest of the Israelites to say, we can't do it. We cannot conquer this land. And so they disobeyed what God wanted them to do, which was to conquer this land. As a result for their disobedience, as a result for that lack of faith, they were then subject. God said, you'll spend one year wandering the wilderness for every day you spied out the land. They'd spent 40 days spying out the land, which meant they would spend 40 years wandering in the wilderness. How many of you have had maybe, uh, you've had an opportunity when maybe your response and your result made an impact that was even greater than your first potential object? Here, they had this opportunity. They spent 40 days to spy it out, but because of their lack of obedience, 40 years wandering in the wilderness. So they've wandered in the wilderness 40 years. God miraculously provided, and now God's calling them. He says, the 40 years is up, and it's time I'm going to give you this land. He brings them across the Jordan River, helps them to conquer Jericho, and on and on and on as we've worked our way through the the book of Joshua. The last couple of times that we've met, we have seen how God has helped them to conquer and oversee, overcome multiple kings, multiple kingdoms, multiple regions. And so they have been victorious. And so this has been about a five-year process. So 40 years of wandering plus now five years of this process as they are about to fully come into the land the promised land that God had. And you'll see today and into next week as we kind of look at the next portion is now dividing up the land. As God is bringing them into the land, there are 12 tribes, the 12 tribes of Israel, and they are going to then divide up and give the land to each of these tribes. We see there was still some mountain ranges, still some regions left to claim and to reach. And we'll see in just a little bit here, Caleb, one of those two spies who said, yes, we can, well, he desired to reach and claim his mountain. So the question for you and I then to examine this morning is how? How do we reach? How do we claim? How do we end up with this mountain then that God has promised, the promised land? We're going to examine several different principles this morning. So first of all, I point you to Joshua chapter 13. We're going to look at the first number of verses. And the very first principle is this, desire more. We'll get back to that in a moment. Here's the way it reads. When Joshua had grown old, the Lord said to him, you are now very old. Let's just stop right there. How many of you would rather God not mention the fact that you're very old? That's none of you that are in this room. But we're reading here, and Joshua is getting up in years, and the Lord said, you are now very old. God is honest, right? He he is not able to lie. 
He says, you are now very old, and there are still very large areas of land to be taken over. In other words, there's a whole lot more in store. And then he goes to share. Verse 2, this is the land that remains. All the regions of the Philistines and Geshurites, from the Shihor River on the east of Egypt to the territory of Ekron on the north, all of it counted as Canaanite, though held by the five Philistine rulers in Gaza, Ashdod, Ashkelon, Gath, and Ekron, the territory of the Avites on the south, all the land of the Canaanites from Era of the Sidonians as far as Aphek on the border of the Amorites, the area of Byblos and all Lebanon to the east, from Baal Gad below Mount Hermon to Lebo Hamath. As for all the inhabitants of the mountain regions from Lebanon to Misrephoth Maim, that is, all the Sidonians, I myself, this is the Lord speaking, will drive them out before the Israelites. Be sure to allocate this land to Israel for an inheritance, as I have instructed you, and divide it as an inheritance among the nine tribes and half of the tribe of Manasseh. First of all, aren't you glad I didn't call on you to read that? Some of that stuff, you know... Uh, you have in Bible college, and then some of that you just you give your best Bible college pronunciation, okay? You, those of you with the, the Bible app, you can just let it read it for you and see how they pronounce it, right? So that's first of all, that, there's a bunch of tongue-twisting names in here. Second of all, in that last sentence, it says, divided as an inheritance among the nine and a half tribes. Maybe you're sitting there and you thought, well, Pastor Mark, you just said there's 12 tribes of Israel. Why are they only dividing it up amongst nine and a half? Well, you might remember a little bit earlier, before they were brought into the promised land, before they crossed over the Jordan River, two and a half tribes said, we like this land. This is good for our, our livestock, and we kind of want this we will help you, we will help the rest of our, our fellow tribes of Israel to go in and to conquer the land and you know, d divide up that land, but we want to then come back here. So that would be the two and a half tribes. And you're thinking, well, what about, what's that half tribes? Joseph's sons, Ephraim and Manasseh, are basically splitting that 12th uh, tribe. And so... Ephraim and Manasseh, though they're, in a sense, two different tribes, they're kind of considered the half-tribe. So you've got two and a half are going to get this property before the Jordan. The other nine and a half will be getting the rest of this territory that's being conquered. But verse 1, the Lord speaks to Joshua and says, there are still very large areas of land to be taken over. You want to reach the mountain? Desire more. I know, some of you are sitting there thinking, Pastor Mark, this is the easiest principle of anything you've ever preached. I've got it. Go on to point number two. Hold on to your horses just a little bit. Let's just camp out here for just a moment and understand, when we say desire more, this doesn't mean you and I simply to want more stuff. Because we could say, well, I've got this down. Well, I want more money, and I want a bigger house, and I want a bigger car, and I want more of this, and I want more of that. Oh, I certainly desire more, Pastor Mark. I've got point number one. Let's be careful now. 
When we talk about desiring more, this isn't about you and I saying we simply want more stuff. This is about desiring more of what God has in store. Big difference. You and I, we've got our own ideas of the kind of stuff or the kind of more that we want. Understand, when we say desire more, you could put in parentheses, more of what God has in store. That truly should be our heart. I want, God, what you have for me. Because you and I, we're just like sometimes our kids and our grandkids. We can chuckle when they watch television and uh, whether it's Disney or Nickelodeon or Nick Jr., any of these kids' channels, all kinds of commercials are geared towards kids, right? How many of you have had a child or a grandchild who all of a sudden for birthday or for Christmas, some of the stuff that ends up on their list, you know, got there because of the commercials they've been watching? And we kind of laugh and we kind of chuckle and, oh, those kids and those commercials. But how many of us big kids get a little affected by commercials that we see with our shows, our sports, our television shows and movies, whatever the case might be, advertisers know we want more stuff. We've got to be careful that this is not simply the desire, this wanting of more stuff, but wanting and desiring what God has, what God has in store for us. See, Israel had not yet possessed, they had not entered and conquered all of the land that God had for them. As he said in verse 1, there's still large areas of land. There's still some other territories that I've yet to bring you into and to conquer. I've got so much more in store for you. Doesn't that just sound like a loving Heavenly Father? Maybe you've experienced this with your dad, or maybe you as a father or a grandfather have experienced it with your child or, or grandchild, but... You know, maybe when you were a kid, you wanted something, and all you knew of was, I would like an ice cream cone. And your thought was, this little cone and this little thing of ice cream, and you would be completely satisfied with a little tiny ice cream cone. Maybe mom and dad brought you to an ice cream shop, and maybe you didn't end up with this little bitty tiny baby cone. Maybe they got you the jumbo size. Maybe they even dipped it in chocolate, covered it in sprinkles. And in your mind, you're thinking, I'm going to have this little cone, and after a few licks, it's going to be gone. And you are handed this gigantic, it, it looks this big, right? Mom and dad desired and wanted so much more for you than even you had in mind. And a little bit like that, it's kind of God's desire for us as his children. There is still so much more in store. And he's telling Joshua, even as he's growing up in years, Joshua, you and the Israelites, there's still very large areas of land. In other words, this isn't just those tiny little pockets in the side you've kind of forgotten about, the little scraps. 
there's some very large areas. There's still a lot of good stuff I've got in store for you. Desire more. Desire more of what God has for us. Now, they'd already achieved a lot. They'd experienced a lot of victories. They had uh, experienced God helping them and conquering and overseeing a lot of these areas. They crossed the Jordan River at flood stage, and yet God still had more in store. They had defeated the, the mighty walled fortress and city of Jericho, and yet God still had more in store. They defeated multiple kings, multiple areas and regions, and yet there was still more in store. But it's what God had planned, what God had in mind for them. This wasn't them dreaming and saying, oh, I wanna, and I wanna, and I wanna, and coming up with our own birthday and Christmas list for God. This is God saying, I've got blessings in store for you, and I'm going to lead you to them. It's been said that the nation of Spain inscribed on their coins a picture of the pillars of Hercules, which stood on either side of the Straits of Gibraltar, which was the extreme boundary of the empire of Spain. Only an unexplored ocean was beyond it. On the scroll over all of this was written these three words, nay plus ultra, being translated as nothing beyond. Nothing beyond. It's, it's all been explored. But afterwards, after Columbus had discovered America, it's been said that Spain struck out that first word, that first negative word, and simply left the inscription plus ultra, meaning more beyond. There's much more beyond. And it echoes what God is speaking to Joshua and to the Israelites, and I believe encouraging and reminding you and I in verse 1. There's still more land, still more that God has in store. Reaching the mountain, let's desire more. Not more of what we want, but God, I want more of what you have in store for me. Desire more. Secondly, as we jump to the next chapter, chapter 14, this is just a portion, God's interaction with Joshua in chapter 13, and now Caleb's interaction in chapter 14, as they both deal with this issue and this topic of more land in store. The second principle is we must display conviction. Display conviction. It says, now the people of Judah, this is chapter 14, verse 6. The people of Judah approached Joshua at Gilgal, and Caleb, son of Jephunneh, the Kenizzite, said to him, You know what the Lord said to Moses, the man of God, at Kadesh Barnea about you and me. I was 40 years old when Moses, the servant of the Lord, sent me from Kadesh Barnea to explore the land. And I brought him back a report according to my convictions. Caleb said, when I was 40 years old and I was sent to explore the land, I did so and I brought a report back. You want to know the kind of report I brought back? I brought one back according to my convictions. 
you and I must display conviction, not just sort of kind of maybe have some, but live them out and display them. Someone said that confidence merely means we believe in something. Conviction means we are holding on tight to it. Conviction is an unshakable belief in biblical principles. They're principles that you and I will follow no matter what. That's a conviction. The challenge for you and I is this. Are we going to be Christians of conviction or Christians of convenience? Let me ask you. Joshua and Caleb... Two of the twelve sent out to spy the land, and when they came back, everyone agreed that the land was incredible. But ten of them began saying, we can't do it. It's too big, we're too little, we'll never conquer it. Joshua and Caleb had the choice. What would have been easy? What would have been convenient? Oh, what he said, and he said, and he said, and he said, yeah, what those 10 said, yeah, yeah, blah, 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 big land, great land, they're big, we're little, we'll never get it. It would have been so much easier, convenient to say we can't than to stand firm upon the convictions of what God had spoken to say with God's power, we can. Now, you might be saying, what in the world does this have to do with me? Glad you asked. You're probably not going to be one of 12 people spying out a plot of ground. But more than likely, you're going to be somebody in your own home where discussions come up. You're probably going to be somebody at the workplace when God's word and principles come up. What is easiest what is most convenient to go along with the crowd, to simply go along with popular opinion? Let's just rely upon the polls. And we see that public opinion and public belief in, in these ideas and topics and principles are changing. Got to be on the right side of history, everybody says. Are we going to do what's convenient and simply go with where the flow seems that they are going, where the majority of pollsters and opinions seem to be heading? Or are we going to stand firm upon the Word of God and to stand firm upon what God's Word says? Will we be men and women of conviction according to the principles of God's Word? Or will we be men and women merely of convenience, standing up for God until it gets a little uncomfortable, until somebody says they have a different viewpoint, until they believe that God's word is not true or not relevant for today, and then maybe we just kind of move away and are silent. Joshua and Caleb were men who displayed conviction. They had the conviction of confidence. When everybody else was saying, no, we can't, they believed that with God's might and God's strength and God's power, 
even with the giants, even with the geography, even with the history of that region, even with the walled cities they would have to conquer, they believed they had the conviction because God had called them to it. They were confident in God. They had courage and strength in the Lord. Quick Bible trivia question. Name the other 10 spies. I don't think one of us, myself included, off the top of our heads can list the 10 spies who said no to the land. What do we remember? Who do we remember? The ones who stood with courage and confidence and conviction upon the word of God. It also helps that there's only two of them. Joshua and Caleb. There was a conviction they had of consistency. Caleb saying, listen, when I was 40 years old, that's 45 years ago. At this point, he's about 85. He was 40 when they spied out the land, wandered for 40, and now it's been this process of about five years of conquering and overcoming the land. He said, when I was 40 years old, I gave my response according to my convictions. Has Caleb wavered? Has Caleb changed his mind in 45 years? No, he has wholeheartedly followed after, trusted in, and believed in God, consistent in his faith. So that's the challenge for you and I. It's one thing on a Sunday morning when we're here amongst other people who are in church and worshiping to say, I believe in God, I believe in the God of the Bible and the conviction of what God's word says. Challenges tomorrow on Monday at work, or Tuesday in the home, or Wednesday out in the community, or Thursday after something else comes up in our nation. Will we stand firm to the convictions consistently? Caleb did for 45 years. Jot these down. They're not on the screen, but we're going to go quick. Turning back to the book of Numbers, chapter 14, verse 24, here's God speaking. He says, because my servant Caleb has a different spirit and follows me wholeheartedly, I will bring him into the land he went to and his descendants will inherit it. God said, he follows me wholeheartedly. God said, he's got conviction and he sticks to it. He follows wholehearted. Numbers chapter 32, verse 11 and 12. This is God speaking again. Because they have not followed me wholeheartedly, these are the others, not one of those who were 20 years old or more when they came up out of Egypt will see the land I promised on earth to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Not one except Caleb, son of Jephunneh the Kenizzite, and Joshua, son of Nun, for they followed the Lord, there's that word again, wholeheartedly. Man, this... Joshua and this Caleb, they are consistent. They display their conviction consistently. The very next book, Deuteronomy chapter 1, verse 35 and 6. No one from this evil generation shall see the good land I swore to give your ancestors except Caleb, son of Jephunneh. He will see it. I will give him and his descendants the land he set his feet on because he followed the Lord. Help me out wholeheartedly, 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 wholeheartedly. He followed God consistently, wholeheartedly. 
That's three. I got three more for you real quick. Chapter 14, where we're at, verse 8. My fellow Israelites who went up with me, Caleb is now speaking, made the hearts of the people melt in fear. I, however, follow the Lord my God wholeheartedly. God spoke three times that he was wholehearted. Caleb stood up for himself with conviction and said, I have lived consistently and wholeheartedly. In the very next verse on verse 9, Caleb said, So on the day that Moses swore to me, the land on which your feet have walked, this will be your inheritance and that of your children forever, because you have followed the Lord my God wholeheartedly. Now he's bringing Moses into it. God's called him wholehearted. Moses has called him wholehearted. Caleb himself said, I have strived to live wholehearted before the Lord. And in verse 14, as you drop down a few verses, so Hebron has belonged to Caleb, son of Jephunneh the Kenizzite, ever since. Why? Because he followed the Lord, the God of Israel, wholeheartedly. He not only had a handful of convictions... He lived them out. He followed. He displayed them. There's not the blessing in half-heartedness. We must be wholehearted, standing strong in our conviction. One person put it this way, half-hearted commitment is no commitment. Too many people have too much of the church to enjoy the world and too much of the world to enjoy the church. That's half-hearted. We must be wholeheartedly committed to the Lord. That's what we're seeing here about Caleb. Every area of his life, 45 years. Just stop and think. He was 40 when he spied out the land. He said, we can do it. The other 10 said no. They convinced everybody to say no. And as a result, they wandered for 40 years. Now they're trying to conquer this land for five years. Caleb has spent 45 years waiting for something that God promised him when he was 40. You want to talk about consistency. You want to talk about conviction day in and day out, night in and night out. That's what you and I must have. Let us be wholehearted to stick to and be convicted with God's word. Seek to determine what it is that God wants and then make that a priority in our life. Live out, not just have some convictions. It's good to have convictions, we must live it out, walk it out. You've heard the phrase, right? Don't just walk the walk. I just got that backwards. You know what I meant. Let's rewind this, okay, on the, on the podcast. Don't just talk the talk, but... There you go. You can listen to yourself correcting me on the, on the podcast. <laughs> We've got to live it out. To simply say, well, I've got some convictions about God and His Word. That's great. Will we have those and live those out in front of other people day after day after day, no matter what a family member, no matter, no matter what a boss or a co-worker or a poll might say, will we stand firm upon God's word? So to reach the mountain, to, to look at Joshua and Caleb and to see how in the world did they possess what God had for them, certainly they desired more, more of what God had in store for them. 
Secondly, they displayed conviction. Finally, and you're not going to like this one, but we're going to go here anyway. It's one of those thoughts that we've encountered here and there throughout the book of Joshua. Third principle is this. Develop patience. For in Joshua chapter 14, beginning in verse 10, it reads like this. Now then, just as the Lord promised, He has kept me alive for 45 years since the time He said this to Moses while Israel moved about in the wilderness. Here I am today, 85 years old. I'm still as strong today as the day Moses sent me out. I'm just as vigorous to go to battle as I was then. Now give me this hill country that the Lord promised me that day. You yourself heard then, the Anakites were there, their cities were large and fortified, but the Lord helping me, I will drive them out just as he said. Joshua blessed Caleb, gave him Hebron as his inheritance, and in verse 14, as we read, it's belonged to Caleb ever since because he followed the Lord, the God of Israel, wholeheartedly. Forty-five years he's waited for a promise. You and I get a little irritated and frustrated over a handful of minutes, right? We, t- we took a few days off and spent one of the last weeks here before school as a, as a family and, and uh, took a little trip to a state we've never been to before, a place we've never been to before. So we're using this, this newfangled technology. Oh, it's great, called the GPS on your phone, right? And you, you punch in where you want to go as we're, we know we need to head back here to... Ohio and head back here to this area in our home. So we, we punch that in and it gives you a couple different options and I kind of click, I want this one and I know I've got to head north on this road. I'm heading north and it tells me to exit. I like, well, what in the world kind of exit is this? Well, I follow it. It's bringing us some downtown. So I drive around town and it basically has me do a U-turn in town to get back on the highway and go the other way. I said, well, that's not the way I need to go. I'm looking at the GPS, and little thing in blue says I'm going this way, and it's taking me in the opposite direction. So I pull off again, and I look at it, and I punch in some more little things here, and finally I just start taking off. I'm pretty sure i got to go north, so I just start driving north, and I hope it's going to catch up. It was a good 10, 15, 20 minutes of wrestling with a GPS. What's well, 10, 15, 20 minutes? Not huge. The grand scheme of things, right? But when you've got this internal clock and, and you're wanting to get on the road and get going because you know you've got a number of hours of travel, 10, 15, 20 minutes is adding up and you're saying, come on! A little frustrating for that GPS. Bet you've been there too. I don't know what you've had to wait for in the last week or so, but chances are you had to wait for something and you weren't really happy. Wow, 10, 15, 20 minutes is nothing like 45 years. He waited longer than he was alive at the time that God promised him. So he was 40 and waited 45 years. I won't ask you to shout out your number of age, but you just think of that. Get that number in mind, and now more than double it and say, 
If you more than double your age, waiting until you're that old to receive from God. Some of us just got a little discouraged, right? Can you imagine the patience, the conviction it would take for Caleb to say, God, you've promised. God, I'm holding on with conviction. God, I am developing and living out patience. You've promised you're going to bring this to pass. Now, we might understand, certainly in, in Bible years, and Bible days, many of these men and women lived maybe longer than we do so today, but we might look and say, okay, a guy by the age of 85, we might not look to him to be one who's starting a brand new challenge and conquering territories. We, we wouldn't fault him or slight him if he was ready to kind of take it easy for a little bit. And yet, God spoke to Joshua that there's a lot more in store. And Caleb spoke to the Lord saying, I'm ready for what you've got in store. He had the patience, developed and ready for what God had. In fact, he has the, the health, the strength, the energy. He said he feels just like he did at the time he spied out the land. God's incredible strength and power in his life and in his body. Not only that, Caleb's not saying, okay, I'm kind of, I'm getting up there in years and I'm kind of old and, and creaky. Give me the leftover crumbs. That's not what he's saying. Did you catch what he said here? Verse 12, you yourself heard then that the Anakites were there and their cities were large and fortified. And we read over that and we think, okay, blah, 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 Anakites, blah, blah, blah. Another one of those big words that we're glad we don't have to pronounce. The Anakites were the giants. They're the ones that, when they said, we got into the land, they were giants and we looked like grasshoppers. Caleb says, yeah, that's the land I want. Send me in, God. I'm ready. I want what you have. I've got the conviction to believe you can bring it to pass, and I've had the patience that I've developed, and I'm ready and raring to go, God. Point me in that direction. The Anakites, encouragement for us. Don't let your age or ability limit what God can do through you. Because no matter what your age or ability is, we can use that as an excuse. If you're young, you say, well, I'm young. I don't have the wisdom. I don't have the skills. I don't have the opportunities. I, I don't have the experience that some of these other people have. Certainly, God can't and won't do something through me. And so many times, the young will discount themselves. Middle age. Whatever you call middle age, well, I'm not really young, and I'm not really old. I don't necessarily have the strength of the young. I don't have the wisdom and the experience of the old, so certainly God can't use me. For someone who might maybe fit Joshua or Caleb's descriptions getting up in years, some might say, well, I'm old. I'm older than these other individuals. I've served my time. I've done year after year of this, so I'm good. Don't discount what God can and still desires to do through you. 
no matter what the age, no matter what our, our background might be, God wants to use you, He wants to use me to bring us to that land where God has. You're never too anything for God to use you. Never too young for God to use you. Never too old for God to use you. Never too experienced, never too inexperienced, never too this or too that, never too anything for God to use you. God's been preparing you your life long for what God's about to do in and through you. And just as an encouragement, it's not just someone like a Joshua and Caleb that have been used in mighty ways. Winston Churchill became prime minister of Great Britain at the age of 65. At the age of 75, a Californian named Ed Delano bicycled 3,100 miles in just over 33 days. At the age of 81, Ben Franklin worked with quarreling delegates at the Constitutional Convention helped bring about the ratification of the U.S. Constitution. Thomas Edison was still busy in his laboratory at the age of 84. And a 96-year-old resident of that state up north, George C. Selbach, scored a 110-yard hole-in-one at Indian River Golf Course. You're never too anything to be used by God. Don't quit. Don't give up in spite of detours, in spite of delays. The incredible patience it would have taken for Caleb to say, God, you've promised you're going to use me, but nothing's happening just yet. At the age of 40, he spied out the land and said, God, you've got great things in store. It took 45 years later to see that come to pass. Maybe many of you are still waiting on, praying on God's promises. Don't give up. Don't lose hope. You've had some detours. You've had some delays. Put your faith and trust in God. As a result of that, we're going to see in next week and the message there, the division of the land. God gave Caleb, what he was calling for and requesting. God said there's much more in store, and so they go to conquer these different areas and lands. We're going to see how they do. We're going to see how they divide it up. We're going to see some principles contained therein. We started out by looking at God's words to Joshua. They might be God's words to you and God's words to me. It says there are still very large areas of land to be taken over. In other words, there's still more that I've got in store for you. There's still ways that I want to use you to be a blessing. There's still ways I want to use you to reach other people. Who knows all of what God has in store? But let's desire more of what He has in store for us. Let's live out and display the convictions that are grounded upon His Word, not mankind's opinion. And let's develop the patience needed to wait through God's process. 